Welcome back to another special edition of the show. This is part seven and the final part in this special series supporting National Spa Week here in the UK, which takes place from the 4th to the 10th of November 2019. Now, today on the show, we're looking closely at a particular topic that, well, doesn't really get talked about enough, money, or more specifically, people's relationship with money and how it affects, well, everything. Yep, today we're talking all about employee financial well-being. So let's stick that cassette in and get going. You're listening to The Beauty Business Podcast, now with over a quarter of a million downloads worldwide. This is the podcast for you if you run an independent beauty salon, skin clinic, or spa. I want to help you reach your business goals through simple, practical, and focused business information and advice. Now, if you're a regular listener of the show, then you might notice a slight difference in some of the episodes this week. You see, this week, The Beauty Business Podcast is supporting National Spa Week here in the UK. And this year, 2019, National Spa Week, run by the UK Spa Association is highlighting the importance of wellness in the workplace. To celebrate this, every day this week, we are releasing a brand new episode of the show, focusing on a different aspect of workplace wellness, how it can affect you, how it can affect your business, and most importantly, what you should be doing about it. And who am I? Well, my name is Adam Chatterley, and I'm your host here on the show, but also the current chairman of the UK Spa Association. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back again to this, the seventh and final episode in our special series here supporting National Spa Week and this year's topic, which is wellness in the workplace. Now, like I said in the introduction there, today we're talking all about employee financial well-being. Now, this is such an important topic because money and how we deal with it or how we don't deal with it in a lot of cases is one of the biggest sources of stress in people's lives. At some point, we've all gone through some sort of struggle with money, some people more than once. And yet it's still such a taboo topic that we do not really talk about on any sort of personal level. We always sort of refer to money and and earnings and challenges and things like that on a sort of theoretical general level more than anything else. Now, joining me on today's episode is Phil Holdsworth from Aram Gold, a company he started along with his wife, Penny, to help businesses focus more on their employees' well-being. And with his own story about struggles with finances, as well as his background in finance, and one of the things, you know, Phil and Penny focus on is the financial health and support that their businesses can offer to the staff. So really, who better to speak to? Now, what I find most powerful about my conversation with Phil is that Phil has really been there before. I mean, it got very close to being as bad as it can get for Phil before he sought help. And he shares what that felt like, the emotions that he went through. And I think that will really speak to anyone out there that's feeling in a similar situation or has someone that they know dealing with something similar. So I want you to take hope from what Phil has to say. And also, Phil has some fantastic advice for just what to do if you are struggling with money or debt. And also what you can do if you suspect someone else is having money struggles and doesn't know what to do or worse, doesn't really even want to admit it. But before we dive into the conversation, though, just to remind you that the idea of these daily topics that this week and all week has been to introduce you to these subjects and maybe just expand a little bit more on what you may already know or what you think you may know, or even just to pique your interest. Now, if you'd like to know more about the topics themselves, or if you'd just like to check out more information about National Spa Week and the other topics that we've been covering, then all you need to do is go to spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. That's www.spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. Now take a little time out and join me for my conversation all about financial well-being with Phil Holdsworth. 
So welcome onto the show today, Phil Holsworth. Thank you very much, Adam. It's, um, it's really nice to be here. It's fabulous to have you. Thank you for, for sparing us your time. So, as you know, it's National Spa Week. Today is the last day of National Spa Week. Um, however, I wanted to make sure we talk about today's topic, which is f- employee financial well-being. Because, you know, we started the week off with with a general uh, conversation about uh, employee mental well-being, mental health. But I think finances and money has got to be, if you're an employee or an employer, um, you know, money has got to be one of the biggest source of stress that there is these days, right? It is, yeah. um, The figures at the moment uh, tell us that more than 25 million employees in the UK are worrying about money. Wow. And and if you're worrying about anything, it just means you're distracted. Um, And then when you're distracted, therefore, you're not as productive or as engaged in life and and work Mm. as perhaps you would like to be and perhaps your employers would like you to be. Absolutely. And that's, that's really been a theme throughout this week. We've very much been talking about a lot of the time, you know, the employee side of things, but there is that direct link, that, that correlation between, um, the, the, in whatever case, the physical well-being, the mental well-being, the stress levels of the individual, you know, if they're managed well, they have a direct and positive effect on the business as a whole. They do. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, where businesses are taking a, a sort of proactive approach, not just to mental health and well-being in the workplace, but also thinking of things like the financial side. Um, mm. The barriers often are businesses thinking, well, that's personal. What, yeah. What's that got yeah. to do with me? But actually, it's got everything to do with them because it undermines um, the individual's ability to be as productive as they could be. And therefore, it has then a profound impact on the business. I think the figures at the moment um, tell us that it's costing the UK economy somewhere around about 120 billion a year. Wow! Um, so, and that's just around financial well-being. Unbelievable, because yeah, we we all talk about this this work-life balance thing, but at the end of the day, we spend a lot of our lives at work. So, so whilst on the one hand, I can understand employers sort of thinking, no, 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 that's their personal life. I should leave that alone. But it's such a big chunk of their life spent at work for the reason of earning money, to enjoy our lives, that, that there is that real crossover there. Yeah, I think you've also got to bear in mind that there are many reasons why people work, and mm. those, and I think well, perhaps one of the biggest is the fact that they need to earn some money so they can live, so they can pull their other interests in life. So if they're struggling in that way, they, the profound impact on every other aspect of their lives, including work, is phenomenal. We've dived in a little bit there. So what I want to do, um, Phil, is I'd love to just kind of recap a little bit of your background and your and your story as well. Because when, when we were chatting the other day, just setting up this episode, you know, you, you shared with me your story. And I think that's a really powerful um, way of approaching this topic. So if it's OK with you, would you be willing to give us a bit of your background and that story as well? I certainly would, Adam. Um, yeah. I mean, we're going back a number of years now, but uh, <laughs> as as a, as a young uh, married chap um, with a young family, uh, mm-hmm. probably the, that sort of most expensive time of your life when you've got young kiddies growing up and yep. uh, you've got the, some of the biggest expenses around and yet um, really struggling uh, financially. And I would say, to be fair, um, It was down to uh, some decisions that my wife and I made, but Mm -hmm. also it was to do with circumstances. 
right. uh, around us that were beyond our control. So one of the things that we often find today, but it was the same then, and that is when people don't understand, they can be quite judgmental. And it's no yeah. wonder people really don't want to talk about it because you're afraid about what might, people might think of you. Um, have you failed? Yeah. Um, the shame, the guilt. And I certainly went through uh, much of that at the time to the point where eventually I had no choice but to ask for help. Yeah. So in that period of time, the way that people treated us back then, and we're talking sort of the, the 80s, early 90s, the way that people treated us back then, um, I would say we will probably be appalled uh, today. Um, <laughs> but you know how these sort of um, uh, experiences people have, they kind of follow them through life. And so whenever you come across something that reminds you of the past, um, you you use the past to measure the present yep. situation. So and true. and I, one of the things I really want to get across is that Lots of things that I share from my own personal journey have changed these days. So mm. back then, um, in, in, when you get into a stage where uh, you really can't make ends meet, you're struggling in terms of um, putting food on the table, or just paying your bills, and you really don't want to, to say anything to anyone, the one thing that you do is isolate yourself. Yep. Those things are no different today. People still do that, isolate themselves. And in many cases, we'll try and work a way round. Um, sorry, the printer's going. <laughs> but they'll try and work a way uh, around trying to solve it themselves. And sometimes we need somebody alongside us. We need somebody who's got a fresh pair of eyes to just check that check and balance. Yeah, just, just to... to you know, help you see some clarity. So, yep. so to give us some, some background there, what were you doing at this time? What, what was your career? What was your profession? Right. Well, at the time I was an engineer. I started my working life as an engineer and um, right. back end of the, uh, the, the 70s and into the, um, the 80s, it went through uh, a huge recession. Mm -hmm. So when it got to the back end of the 80s, early 90s, um, wages weren't particularly great. Uh, for an engineer, even though it was still a skilled occupation and uh, just trying to sort of make ends meet and pay the ever-increasing bill. And I think the thing that really hit it for us, um, and I'm not, I try not to be political in any way, but the government at the time really didn't have a handle on, um, you know, rising interest rates. And our mortgage mm. had gone up something like 15% um, wow. interest. And I mean, that, that would cripple people these days. If that happened, that would just that, cripple people in this market. Without a doubt. And I, I would sit endless evenings poring over the figures, trying to move stuff around and trying to work out how can we keep a roof over our head and food on the oh. table. And, um, and it was getting to the point where, you know, these things are not only just psychological and emotional, but they're also physical. Of course they are. The whole sort of effect in terms of... Um, our physical well-being was being really hit hard. And um, things like it, for me, it was uh, issues with the gut, you know, indigestion, heartburn, and, and it was awful. Um, and you're kind of waking up every morning with that and kind of wishing that it was nighttime so you could go to bed and forget it all. <laughs> wow. You know, so, yeah. and, and it, it, was, it was pretty horrendous. Um, 
the other thing as well is then how when when you start getting the letters and the phone calls from the creditors back then um it wasn't unusual to get red letters or, or letters mm. typed in red and looking very much like a, a court form or something like that and yeah. uh, and these things they were very psychological as well because what they would do is they would write them to my wife on a friday so then it meant oh. that over the weekend she panic she would have a go at me and, and force something and that was their psychology but what it was doing was just putting us deeper and deeper into a pit yeah yeah and um wow. and, it, and it was awful um we we did well to sort of protect our children. We had three three daughters, three young girls then, um, and we did well to protect them from it. But for ourselves, it was really taking its toll. And then the phone calls, the endless phone calls, and the um, the threats over the phone, and uh, and so on. And there were so many different things that they did back then that um, eventually. Uh, we had no choice but to go to a debt counselling uh, charity. We went to what's okay. known as Step Change today. Okay. Back then it was the Consumer Credit Counselling Service, and they did their first visit actually to your home. Mm. And, you know, the feeling of somebody coming to your home, <laughs> sitting with you, initially you're absolutely nervous. But as the, the chap who came to see us started to talk, it was as if, um, it was like that sort of um, soothing oil uh, that's just been poured over us. Um, suddenly, somebody understands, and they're not here to judge us. They're not here to condemn us. Um, they're not here to embarrass us in any way. And the one thing, and I'm I'm very passionate about this today, and that is they gave us hope. Yeah. And I think, you know, we certainly, hope was a um, like a, a very tiny uh, dot at the end of a tunnel. You know, when you're in a tunnel, you see the light, mm. but it was a tiny dot, almost snuffed out. Um, but they brought us hope. Brilliant. And they made you. They made you see that there was there was a path in it. And there's also that, like you mentioned, it's 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 not that unusual. It's not that you've done something wrong. No. It's not that you've failed. No. Uh, all these all these thoughts and feelings that get inside your head and and yeah. uh, you know make you feel terrible. But suddenly there's someone there saying to you, actually. It's okay. This happens. There's a way out of this. Yes. And and there to help you. So so obviously you got yourself out of that situation. And how did that affect you and your life and, and your path moving forward? Um, it certainly um I would say it was strengthened us in many respects, which sounds a little bit strange because you'd feel like if you've had such a traumatic experience, it really knocks the stuffing out of you. But mm. I think I, I took it, and both of us really took it more in terms of what could we learn from this. Um, we learned a lot from the charity that was helping us uh, in terms of, um, you know, what 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 are our rights? Um, yeah. And I think oftentimes when people don't know what their rights are, they really feel like that they're, they're at the mercy of those who are chasing them for money. Um, and and I'm not you know not advocating people avoid meeting their obligations, um, are really the opposite. I think people facing up to their obligations actually is the best way forward. However, for us at the time, we learned a lot about how to deal with things, how to handle people, how to handle companies, and also in terms of the whole management of our um, finances. Um, we learned a number of uh, sort of techniques 
that enabled us to maintain better control over our finances that would help take us forward into the future. Okay. Okay. But I mean, as a career, did it, did it change the way that your career was going? Well, it was interesting uh, because whilst we, we, we were in debt for quite a number of years, uh, hmm. um, they, they say on average that people wait three plus years before they ask for help. I th- mm. We waited a bit longer than that because I'd actually progressed in my career. I'd moved from engineering into uh, eventually into training consultancy. And um, all, the while, all the while, I've still got this thing hanging over me, but um, felt like, you know, the, the possibly a way out of this. Um, and then when I got into, I, I moved from that to working for an investment management company, and that really hit us because uh, if you've got sort of money concerns, there's many careers out there where it would actually affect your career development. Um, mm. It would actually affect whether you retain your job. Yep. That was one of the biggest questions that I had at the time. You know, um, if the company only knew uh, where I was at. Um, would they have employed me? Um, you know, how would they treat me? And um, now I didn't handle any client money, so there wasn't concern on that side. And I couldn't be it couldn't be fraudulent, bribed, or anything like that. However, on a personal level, um, we'd been shut out of the main banking system, and wow. um, fortunately, the company I worked for had its own branch uh, of one of the top high street banks. Um, which it provided for its staff as one of the staff perks. Okay. meant that we were still able to engage with the banking industry. So we could still like pay through using direct debits and so on. Mm. Outside of that, you know, when people are struggling, the one thing that they need is uh, not for companies to really pile on uh, even further heartache in terms of interests and charges and things like this. Um, and when you're ex- excluded from things like the um, the whole sort of banking arena, the direct debit, standing orders, and so on, they, th- that's where you get the discounts. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you basically you're you're penalised for for being in the situation, and you will ultimately end up having to spend more money to get the same as someone who's yeah. you know been given that opportunity. That's right. You you are you, you're basically being penalised for being poor, or in this case, yep. in my case, um, in debt, um, and it all that does is perpetuate the situation, which yep. is no good for anybody, not for an employer or the employee. Um, it's not beneficial for anyone at all. And you mentioned to me uh, that obviously at the time when you were working for this company, you were working with some money managers who were, you know, and this was I guess the '90s where it was, you know, the sort of uh, live fast. Uh, work hard kind of mentality and uh, what what was the situation with those you mentioned to me yeah it was interesting i mean these these guys um you know many of them good guys but um young and mm-hmm. uh, from a young perspective it was like here's an opportunity i'm i'm earning you know a sizable amount of money and nobody's necessarily sat down and shown them how to you know not just to think of the here and now but think of the future um i would say uh, and perhaps young people today are, are changing that view. But generally speaking, it was um, just seeing what was there before you at that moment in time, not looking uh, ahead. So they they would uh, work hard and play hard. 
um, and their lifestyle, you know, they averaged, they said that you would last in London, for example, about five years in that industry uh, right. before burnout. <laughs> and, um, and, and obviously they've got so much money that, um, that they're using it for all, all manner of things and not really necessarily looking ahead. And I think that was one of the drawbacks that I was seeing there. And I was thinking, well, I've got a young family. Um, yeah. I really do need to, to think ahead. And um, But even then, um, still not – how many people could actually explain to you the, the whole pensions industry and how that actually works and what's right for you? And um, you really need some experts in that field because outside of that, it's like double dutch. I know. And it's, it's also a mindset thing. You know, when you're, when you're young and you've taken on your first, maybe second job, you know, all that seems so far away in the future. And, you know, you've got, we live in an expensive world now. You're trying to buy a house. You're trying to, um, you know, have holidays, buy the nice things that you want because you've got yourself a job. And the last thing you're thinking of is, you know, saving for your retirement. Um, so it is, it's, it's a mindset thing as, as well as then moving on to understand what, what it all means and how it all works. It's interesting. I think there's a growing um, shift, particularly in the younger generations these days, because one of the things I keep coming across is, um, you know, what sort of benefits uh, companies provide for their employees? How do they treat mm. their employees? How, they, how do they support them and encourage them? But also, um, how, how do they look to the outside world? What's their um, involvement in communities and the environment and things like this? So, yeah. They, they, they're thinking a, a lot more, a lot bigger, um, I would say, uh, today. And, and perhaps in that, they're also beginning to think about, well, what have I got for the future? Um, I think there's still a lot that because of their upbringing and background, um, probably don't necessarily have a good view of the future. Um, <laughs> we know as yeah. a nation that we're probably one of the highest stressed nations in Europe. Um, and it was interesting. I saw a chart, some data from the Bank of England uh, earlier this year and last year, and it was a comparison of and the level of productivity. And they didn't right. sort of major on it too much, but the hours worked had significantly increased, and they put that down to higher employment. Um, okay. But actually, when you look at that, people are doing a lot more jobs just to make ends meet. There are a lot sure. more yep. people working part time, um, more people sort of going into self-employed um, side. And so, um, you know, people will work more hours. But the interesting fact was uh, productivity didn't shift. And for me, it was like, hello, there's a, a red warning sign here. What are the factors that are affecting people's ability to be as productive per hour uh, or, or uh, more so than, say, other European countries. Um, and again, we, we are quite poor in our productivity. Really? So, okay. And I think things like financial well-being have a massive impact on that. So if we don't help people now and also look to the future, all we're going to do is perpetuate the same situation and possibly even um, exacerbate it. Now, that's absolutely true. And, and now, so if we fast forward sort of yeah. to today yeah. and what you are doing now, so a couple of years ago, you set up your own company, yeah. if I'm right. Um, and is it Aram Gold? 
Uh, Orum Gold, yes. Orum Gold. And what's that designed to do? Just give us a, fill us in a little bit more about that. Okay. Um, Orum Gold works in the way, uh, in the area of well-being in the workplace, and it's basically Perfect. helping businesses improve the well-being of their workforce. By simply doing that, you're also uh, improving the um, employee's engagement. Um, you're reducing things like employee churn. Um, you're creating an environment and a culture that actually causes people to want to engage and to want to remain loyal and to be more productive. Uh, I think it's Richard Branson who sort of quoted that um, if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your customers. Yeah, there's some great quotes on that uh, from Richard Branson. I think he also says, if you tra train your staff well enough um, – yeah. that they can leave, but treat them well enough so they want to stay or something like that. I always get it wrong, but it's, it's something along those lines. No, that, I think that's right. And that really stuck with me, did that one. Um, and I do think as I as we sort of talk with and work with different uh, companies, it's interesting to see the mindsets of employers. So um, one of the things we've noticed is that Employers are beginning and, and starting to think about um, engaging on the sort of financial well-being side. And what we mean by that is not just, you know, how healthy is your money. It, it's, it's a number of things. It's about your relationship with money. Um, why do you use money the way you do? And I'll give you an example of that. Um, somebody who um, is a kind of hospitality type person, and there's about seven different types, um, they're the type of people who would use their money and love to use their money to um, buy things for other people, gifts, take people out for meals. You know, it's always spending their money on other people. And, and that's their value. It gives them some real satisfaction. Uh, the problem they have is um, when they're doing that, they'll give away their last rollo. Right. Nothing left in the bank for them, um, and and they're they um, and that's part of their sort of shadow of not realising. Hang on a minute, I need to set some boundaries in place to protect me. So our work is to help people understand their relationship with money, understand their shadow side, the parts that um, they don't see but actually cause. Um, sort of poor well-being, and then show them tips and, and ways in which they can uh, improve their well-being in terms of their use of money. And we also connect it with their mental health. So they see a direct yeah. correlation there and understand themselves better. The other thing that we, we help the businesses to do is to, uh, or the, the employees to do, is to look ahead as well. What, what, what are their aspirations, which we all have, hmm. But are those aspirations yours or somebody else? And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, young lady that we uh, we, we met um, told us that as a young girl was always encouraged by an aunt in the family to save and how important saving was. And she grew up being an excellent saver. And you'd say, well, yeah, she's very good at managing money. But what she didn't realise and others didn't realise was that you save for specific things. It might be for, uh, you know, um, replacing the car or the boiler brakes, or it might be to go on holiday or something like this. So it's there for a specific reason. And once she dipped into it, she felt like a failure. Anxiety would shoot through the roof. Right. And, um, and it was because of she was carrying a value that belonged to her aunt, not to herself. So, yeah, so true. She didn't understand herself and therefore understand how she could manage it to meet her own values moving forward. 
It's so true. We don't realize the the words that get into our kids' heads around the subject of money. One one of the classics I remember my parents saying was, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Yes. Yeah. And whilst that's absolutely true, you know, it's it's instilling this scarcity mentality into children and and yeah. young people as they grow up, and and that has an effect. Like like you say, this young lady it has an effect on their entire relationship with money. Cause I think it is that it's a relationship, isn't it? It's how we treat it, how we view it, how we use it, how we earn it, yeah. uh, our entire response around it. So, so that's, that's amazing. And, and I love the fact that you've set up the company to do that. And it, it fits in so well with the whole concept of this week, but I want to move on to some, if possible, some sort of uh, some practical things that, that we can do, because obviously we hope no one ever gets into such financial straits that, you know, they do have to, um, you know, they, it affects their mental health, physical health, and they have to end up going to, to major charities for help. Yeah. But, you know, recent figures, figures have just come out this week from the government that beauty therapist in the UK is amongst the top 10 worst paid jobs. Um, yeah. I think they said uh, beauty therapists on average earn for a full-time job earn, I think it's just over £17,000 a year. Yeah. Um, you know, which is which is for the hard work that goes into not only training to be a beauty therapist, but the actual job as well yeah. is not a huge amount of money. But, you know, hopefully we will be able to change that over time. But yeah. that's where we are right now. So what are the sort of what are the sort of early signs? What are things that people can look out for, if possible, mm -hmm. before things get too bad? Yeah, yeah, I think. um I mean, the things that I'm going to say will probably apply in, in any area. So it wouldn't necessarily be just uh, money. But there there are, as an employer or, uh, or a manager or a supervisor, there are things that you can see in hmm. in people, you know, change of moods and behavior, yeah. um, their attention to detail. Because there's always that sort of deficit in terms of being able to create the quality of work that they would normally do. Um Things like um, when people get together for a social event from, from work, you will mm. find there's one person who says, well, uh, thanks for asking, but uh, I, I've got something on. I'm doing something. And there's always a right. reason why they can't uh, involve themselves. And, um, and it could well be um, the fact that they are struggling financially and just know full well they couldn't afford to go out there um, and don't, don't want to do because they mm. don't want to divulge to their colleagues or their managers, um, their own circumstances. So right. you you start to see sort of patterns of behaviour. They also talk about um, stress-related illnesses, which um, very much form a big part of absenteeism in our nation. Um, and one of the things that um, the World Health Organization identified was uh, the the impact of stress uh, physically in, in our physical health. Um, is phenomenal. And whereas we might, um, for example, somebody's been diagnosed with cancer, they said that 80% of known um, cases of cancer globally are not genetic, they're lifestyle driven. And you think. Oh, really? Okay. So when you think about lifestyle, you think, well, what are people's lifestyles like? Now, if, if a person's life is filled with stress, um, you know, they talk about good and bad stress. Um, I like to talk about pressure and stress, uh, mm. separate stress out of it, because to me, stress is toxic. Pressure we all face in life, 
and it's and our level of resilience will will differ one to another. So uh, when it sort of tips over the edge into stress, um, you're in that fight or flight mode, that sort of rise of adrenaline and cortisol. And it's great if there's a saber-toothed tiger in your neck. <laughs> yeah, if you need that sudden hit to, to get out of the way and, yeah. and yeah, you can you've time to recover afterwards, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But when you're faced with it day in, day out, then mm. and you're, um, I don't know, beauty therapist, a hairstylist, or, and you're having to focus on, on detail and focus on the other person, you can imagine the difficulty that it, it, it would be for that person to, to really give it their best. Yeah, when they're they're definitely. tackling this high level of anxiety within themselves, so um, so it's really about finding ways of creating an environment where people feel safe to talk. I think um, it's interesting. I think it was the Close Brothers who did some research, quite extensive research uh, regarding money, and they said to companies, a, a huge number of companies that they'd interviewed, um, how many um, feel that their staff would talk to a manager if they found themselves in financial difficulty? Right. About 16% of the companies interviewed, um, there were several hundreds. And uh, then they asked the employees, and only about 5% of employees wow. um, said. And the reason being is because it's to do with things like employees feeling safe. And, um, and if... And if you feel within um, uh, an organization with a company or a business, you, you can't necessarily create uh, a safe environment internally, then it's better to use a, um, somebody or an organization externally that mm. people can go and talk to, build that link that, yeah. um, as a support for your employees. So many bigger companies will have these uh, employee assistance programs um, where if you need to use their services, you've got a phone number to ring and somebody to talk to. Yeah. It's always maintained confidentially. Um, unless you're perhaps in the police force, for example, where um, you've got a record if you use the service. So naturally, people are not going to use the service. Exactly. And it, so it's almost going to put them off. So, yeah. I mean, that's it's great that these things are available, but I think a lot of it comes back to this this whole stigma around money and people don't want to talk about it they it's it's so much more kind of human nature to to avoid it and want to kind of bury yourself your head in the sand even though if you really examine it yourself you know you've got some issues so if you do suspect a member of your team or a colleague or anything like that is struggling with money what's what's kind of the the safest way in your opinion to to sort of approach it and maybe bring it up with them I think it's like anything to do with um, even with mental health or, you know, people who might appear like they might be considering suicide or something like that. One of the things that people are reluctant to do is to actually engage in a conversation because they're afraid they might say the wrong thing. But at the end right. of the day, to be honest, people need to know they're cared for. Somebody yeah. actually cares for them. And so to take the time, even if it might be a little bit nervous, taking that time to talk to somebody and ask them, are they okay? Is there anything you could do to help? Um, so they, would they like to talk about it? Would they like to just go and get a coffee or something like that? Just mm. the ability to begin to talk and for someone to feel, do you know what, you really do care for me? Um, yeah. They will start to open up. We found as a um, an independent body coming into an organization, uh, when we start talking with people, They've hardly met us, 
But all of a sudden, it's as if somebody's opened the floodgates and they're telling us everything about... <laughs> about their lives. Yeah. And I think, why is that? It's because they feel somebody cares, mm-hmm. somebody's listening, and uh, and also they feel safe because we're, we're not tied into the business. Yeah. Um, because there are there are all those thoughts that go on about talking to your employer because there's you know they're going to be your main source of money so if you go to them with a with a money worry yes. you know all these thoughts are going to go through your head because you're going to think things like well they they won't trust me anymore with the money they'll think I've done a bad job of managing my money maybe they think I'm just you know bringing this up because I want a pay rise you know all of these thoughts going on yeah yes I think if an employer has has taken time to create Say, for example, in a, a beauty salon or a hair salon or something like mm-hmm. that, they've taken the time to create a good atmosphere, a good culture. Um, that there's certainly sort of camaraderie or um, that there's, um, there's a sense that I'm a part of something bigger than myself and, and this is good. I feel connected. If, yeah. if they've got that kind of an environment, then it's more likely that people – um, will talk to them, and vice versa for the employee. I would encourage them if they know they've got that kind of environment to bite the bullet and ask to spare, ask for some time in private, and just share where they're at, what's happening. Um, it's amazing then what people can do to help. They might not be able to directly help. Mm. They could point them and be that support. So that's one thing I would encourage. But if they don't feel safe in that environment, that would never happen. Um, so and that's where sort of, like you say, an external organisation, a link with an external organisation that they know is available can be a very powerful thing. Yeah, it's, it's that sort of the old BT advert, and I know we talk about it today, it's good to talk. Um, yes. Talk about mental health. It's interesting, isn't it? Mental health and finances are the two areas we lease talk about and yet people people out there will say no we're all talking about it yes we are generally but it comes to but what about you (laughs) and all of a sudden we go "Mm." and yeah uh, and we because it's now personal and we don't want to divulge anything that's personal whether we have failed or we're weak or you know uh, the things that we've said earlier and so yeah it's no absolutely absolutely I love the fact that you've also brought up two two old adverts that only probably people of maybe our age will actually appreciate, yeah. especially the uh, the last Rolo one from earlier on. <laughs> like, there's going to be a whole generation of people not understanding what giving someone your last Rolo means. Go and go and look it up on YouTube if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, so, so next then, I also wanted to say, you know, we've sort of been, been focused on it from an employee's point of view, but obviously, yeah. you know, the stress is if you're an employer, if you are responsible for people yeah. and paying people, yeah. You know, you're not immune. I think a lot of employees, and, and yes. funnily enough, I saw a, a whole thread on Facebook about this yesterday. Um, about it was it was kind of linked around wages um, in the beauty industry, and you know there was very much this feeling that oh well, the owners they're the ones who make all the money, and you know they're not paying us enough and all that kind of thing. And yes. while that is possibly true in 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 some instances, you know. As a business owner, as someone who employs people, there's a huge amount of pressure and stress on yeah. on the owner to make sure the money is available. Yeah, yes, there is. And um, and again, um, one of the things we find uh, small to medium sized businesses um, a sense of isolation of those at the top because you can't really sort of um, go to you know one of your um, direct reports and sort of 
share about um, you know the challenges of running a business. Yeah. A, they might not always get it, and B, well, you just wouldn't do that because they're that they're they're not sort of on that level with with you. And um, and again, I, this whole thing about being able to talk to somebody, I think, is vitally important. And where um, where business owners who just do feel sometimes they're carrying a real burden on their shoulders to be able to to talk to somebody who might um, be able to just get alongside and be a fresh pair of eyes and have some expertise uh, that they can offer in the field that might just be uh, the very thing that would encourage them, um, I think is important. But I know a lot of businesses who just feel like um, they're on their own and um, they, they remain silent until sometimes um, it's beyond redemption in a sense. Um, and that's a shame because of all that, that, that sort of skill and expertise and, and the fact that they'd employed people and so people were in employment, it, it has a profound knock-on effect. Really does. Yeah. Really does. And the, and like I say, the crazy thing is when it comes to money, we always just want to sort of hope it will get better and bury our heads in the sand. And yet there's actually, in reality, if we're willing to kind of bite that bullet, like you say, and, and look for help, yeah. there is actually so much help there available is. out there. There is. There is. And um, and I would encourage, I mean, uh, on an individual basis um, where you're an employee, um, I'd encourage people to seek out thing, uh, people like Step Change or um, CAB or uh, National Deadline. Um, mm -hmm. And then on the business side, uh, the business deadline, which is um, national and business deadline, are both part of the same organization. And right. they specialize in helping businesses and advising people if they're, they're um, you know, being affected in any way and just need somebody to talk to. Um, the other thing as well is there's a whole emotional aspect that's attached to money. Hugely so, yeah. Yeah, and we can be very, we can sometimes be quite cold at the way that we look at money. A bit like a, an accountant. You, you just, and I don't wish to speak ill of accountants because. <laughs> no, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but there's great accountants out there. But at the end of the day, their job is to look at the figures. Yeah. You don't necessarily see when you're looking at the figures the human element whether it's a business owner or an employee, sometimes the human element is lost. And actually, yeah. it's the human element that we need to embrace because this is real-life stuff and it affects people. And, um, you know, it's more than just a, a number on a, on a page. So it's uh, organizations that can also provide that sort of um, psychological and emotional support. So I used to work for a charity called Christians Against Poverty that certainly mm. does an awful lot in, in supporting individuals. They don't work with businesses, but certainly individuals um, and actually get alongside them. And, and it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's like walking somebody's journey with them, yeah. just being a, a shoulder to lean on, somebody there who you think, I'm not on my own. I'm not yeah. isolated. And I think it's the same with business uh, owners, to know that they're not on their own. And, um, and there are others at times finding um, challenges, but being able to talk about the, the successes and also the difficulties sometimes between owners can help each other out. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. So even just, even just you know, your local um, 
networking meetings and things like that, just to understand that, you know, this is not just you. This is not something that has never happened before to anyone else. You know, this is something that I think I'd probably say every employee, every business owner that's ever been has gone through some element of this at some point in their careers and their journeys. Yes. And it's interesting. I was talking to somebody not so long since who um, said, particularly like the business networking meetings, um, you know, it's all about perception, you know, and, and they were talking from a point of view that you, you, you give the perception you're a very successful business and, uh, you know, this is why people should, should come to you. But actually I found when people sometimes are quite real about the challenges, all of a sudden it's like a floodgate opens. And mm. once and Chip said, I had that moment. this is what I did to overcome it. And, yep. and people then start to become a little bit more helpful and supportive of one another because they understand. Um, yep. And I think when you're talking to somebody who doesn't understand, it's like the, the lights are on, but no one's in, as I would like to say, because um, yep. you can tell they just don't get it. And yeah. And we're also conditioned, aren't we? You know, as someone says to you, "How's how's your business going?" You don't want to say, "Oh, it's it's a struggle at the moment. It's hard." You want people to think that you're doing well and you're successful. So you immediately go, "Oh, it's great. It's wonderful." Yeah. And we all perpetuate this kind of, you know, lie of that everything's perfect, everything's wonderful, and and <laughs> you know, whereas actually everyone's actually going through the same struggle. I, I know for for myself as. Um... Uh, still, I would say a relatively young business. Uh, we've been going uh, two years now. Um, mm -hmm. We've probably faced the same thing that most other businesses uh, have faced, who, it, where it's been kind of a slow burn. Um, mm -hmm. I think because of the nature of the work that we do and the focus of attention, and as we're talking about today, financial well-being, um, it's still a relatively young area when you're talking to businesses. And um, and so, really, my encouragement to businesses would be, don't don't ignore this area, yeah. because it could have a profound impact on your your profitability, your productivity, and it can also have a profound impact on your customers when somebody is struggling but don't doesn't feel able to talk about it and doesn't feel they've got the support. And and I don't know about you, Adam, but when I've gone places uh, and been served by somebody. They don't have to say a great deal, and I can pick up some vibe, and sometimes you get that positive feeling. They seem really mm. positive. It's like, this is a good experience. Yep. Whereas with some people, you're thinking, I don't know what it is about them, but I just did not feel good there. Yeah. And oftentimes, we don't realize that we're actually giving off these vibes. If we're struggling with things internally and we're not able to resolve those, we inadvertently... Um, uh, express something in the way that we interact with other people and it's not always a positive thing so from a business point of view that's the last thing you want you you, yeah. you want your customers to have that positive customer experience from start to finish so they'll keep coming back time and time again absolutely so i think the message whether you're a business owner whether you're a business whether you're an individual the sooner you actually seek help yeah. the better it's going to get yes and I would say on that front, um, <clears throat> one of the barriers to people perhaps seeking help these days and on a personal level is um, what, what we were talking of old, of, of my past experience. But it's interesting, the, the, the whole industry with regards to finance, where be, even the utility companies, there's been a big drive from the regulators um, and the advisors in the industry to treat people better. 
um, there's been a big drive on uh, looking after more vulnerable people. And when I say vulnerable, anybody in debt is vulnerable. Yeah. You know, whether you're in, you know, some um, operating a, a multi-million pound uh, business, and we don't have to think of things like British home stores or <laughs> places like that, you know, big businesses. But still, uh, when difficulties come come along, you know, people are actually vulnerable. And so just, just I, I would encourage people today, because the market's changed so much, to talk. So, yeah. for example, if you talk to your bank and say, look, I'm really struggling at the moment and I wonder if there's any, any help you can give me, um, you'll find most often banks are very empathetic, mm. which is strange when we're talking about banks because we've all known banks, you know, they're a business and so they're in business to make money. However, um, there's been a big drive to change the way they treat people. And, um, and now the drive is around uh, being more empathetic. Uh, more compassionate, less, less judgmental. Same with the credit card companies. Um, they will actually um, talk with you and give you sort of breathing space uh, and work with you to bring about a good solution. So it's a win-win for everybody. Um, so rather than in the days of really hammering people with letters and phone calls, they don't do any of that now. Hmm. And so I would encourage people not to be afraid to, to say to somebody, do you know what, we're, we're just, we've just hit a hard patch at the moment. We're struggling, whether yep. it's a business or whether it's an individual, and, and, and talk with um, particularly some of, like the utilities, like the lenders uh, and so on, uh, talk with them because they know that it, reputationally and their branding uh, is mm. on the line here and how they treat everybody, not just the successful people and the people who've got money, but those who are struggling. Because at the end of the day, when it's turned around, they are the customers of the future again. Absolutely. And I know f from my own, you know, obviously I've, I've been through similar points where, you know, you've been in debt and, and been struggling and things like that. And, you know, I did exactly what everyone else would do, sort of ignored it for a period of time. I mean, I, I think I probably... I probably did something about it certainly sooner than, than three years. But the second I'd actually done something about it, I hadn't even got any sort of resolution, but just the fact that I'd actually taken a step to to get something done suddenly felt a whole lot better. Yes. Yeah. And and I've certainly experienced that myself as well. And um and were was quite amazed really to uh, come across some I would say pretty compassionate people. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because I think, although we don't talk about it, there's still this huge stigma around money, but I think everyone has actually struggled yeah. multiple times. It was interesting. I was talking to somebody in um, a local bank, and um, and we were talking about um, you know people finding themselves um, unexpectedly in those difficult uh, occasions. Hmm. And, uh, and they just, oh, yeah, we, we've all been here um, in, in this bank. You know, we've all had loans and, and then struggled. And I'm going, really? <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah. they're people too. <laughs> yeah, and um, and you sometimes forget that when the, the other end of the phone, that they have got a life and they've got to make ends meet. And um, and so I think that there's, there's a growing sort of shift in people being much more um, understanding. Um, but again, I would say, you know, uh, if you don't feel safe, then you need to you need to get somebody into to, to be able to talk to 
whether that's a business owner that you can who can mm. you can get alongside, or as a, an individual um, that you reach out to organisations, whether it's like ourselves or, or or whether it's one of the three deck housing charities. There's plenty of advice out there, and pr- plenty of people willing um, to provide that ha- advice and signposting where we can get help and support. Amazing. Phil, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And if people want to find out a bit more about uh, Aurum Gold, Aurum Gold, we're going to write. Yeah, um, for gold. So it's like saying what's... old gold. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and where would they uh, where would they find you? Uh, they'd find us at um, aurumgoldltd.co.uk. Uh, okay. We're just actually shifting our premises at the moment. So so um, if they want to talk to uh, myself, um, am I okay to give my mobile here? Uh, if you're um, happy to, then absolutely, yeah. It's 07825-137617. I'm happy to talk to anybody who, even if it's just they just want some reassurance, that's absolutely no problem. Amazing. Thank you, Phil. We'll put those uh, that address and if it's okay with you, your phone number on the show notes pages so that people can track those down. Um, And again, thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure, Adam. Thank you. There we go. A bit of a different kind of episode there, but such an important one. Now, I said to Phil after we'd finished recording there that if we can just help one person struggling with money worries or stop someone getting into deeper financial issues, then I think that will be a big win for us. And Phil reiterated that he'd be more than happy to speak to anyone listening if they are having money worries. The sooner that you start to deal with it, the better it will be all round. Now, even though this is the last part in this special series for National Spa Week, don't forget that you can get even more information on this topic and all the other topics that we've talked about this week. Things like articles, videos and advice on the National Spa Week pages of the UK Spa Association website. Now, you can head over there right now at www.spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. I'll give you that one more time because it does get a little bit fiddly with that hyphen and things in there. So, you listening? Right. It's www.spa-uk.org forward slash spa week. Now, I believe we will be leaving that information up there for, I'm not sure, but for some time, certainly. So even if you found this episode in the future outside of National Spa Week, please do go and check out those resources and use them for yourself, for your teams and for your business as well. Now, if you're looking for the normal show notes pages for this episode, they can be found in the normal place at thebeautybusinesspodcast.com. And I think, where are we now? We are episode 74, I think. So beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 74. Now, I won't be back tomorrow because this is the last in the special series of episodes. I hope you've enjoyed them. I hope they've been of value to you. And more than anything, I hope they've helped you in some way. Now, if they have, if you've learned something, then please let me know. I'd be very, very much appreciative to find out. And also, if you have time, please leave me a quick rating and possibly even a review on iTunes or whatever app you are listening to me on. Or just go to the show notes page and leave me a comment there and tell me what you think. It'd be great to hear from you and what you've thought of these episodes this week. Now, I will be back in just a few days time as normal. I hope you'll join me. I look forward to being back and once again, just having one episode to produce each week. Bye from me for now.